Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, this is Allison K. Welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. I am excited to introduce you to somebody that I think you need to know. He is a company founder and a business builder, but he is also just a bundle of motivation. Um, if you read his official bio, it says he's gone from the NFL locker rooms to the United States in Europe corporate boardrooms. And I don't want to tell you anymore because our guest is going to tell you his story himself. So welcome, Sean Harper, to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's going to be fun and we're going to win. Done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's just tease it up because it's very clear as to who you are. Um, you were an NFL player, but I know you also are one of those people who had some hard knocks in your life on your way up. And then you also founded a, a a business, a very viable business that's been running for many years. So give our audience a little bit about who Sean Harper is. Awesome. You see, well, most people, you know, when they think of NFL football players, they, you know, their mind consciously or subconsciously, you know, go back, to, goes back to that high school star, you know, and that person went on to college and then made it to the NFL. And so they, you know, they kind of have the notion that, you know, this, you know, this kid from birth was set apart for greatness. And I was, but it wasn't apparent to anyone. <laughs> I had so many challenges growing up. I was documented with four to five learning disabilities, uh, kicked out of schools because of disciplinary issues, had to repeat the first grade, stuttered my entire life, a, a underachiever in every aspect of life, single parent setting, mom raised all six of us all by herself scrubbing floors in the fluent. God neighborhood. bless single moms. Yeah, I know. I mean, she, I mean, she held it down. She raised all six of us in that little house with one bathroom. Right. And so we really had to work it out, you know, being, you know, struggling in that impoverished situation. But one thing that mom did, you know, you're right. God bless single moms is that mom protected the dream. And, you know, in my opinion, outside of God, you know, love, faith, there's nothing more powerful than the dream because the dream has the ability to allow you to triangulate your life. To triangulate, you need three points, where you're at, where you're going in an unmovable point. And that unmovable point sometimes represents that dream or where, where you're going, what you're called to do. And, and I was able to pull on that, you know, leaving high school with a 1.62 accumulative GPA, not on my ACT. Uh, I didn't even start in high school football. Well, I barely started in high school. Oh, football. wow. And I go off to a junior college in Mason City, Iowa, like 26,000 hair, blue eyes. Everyone's last name is Schneider, right? I'm in mean, like, the cornfields of Iowa. And I have a conversation and the conversation goes basically like, okay, you're right. 
I can't be successful. I cannot. I don't have what it takes. You know, I don't have the ins and outs, and I don't. You know, I, you know, I don't have the grades or the you know or the network. Or you're right. And I gave all these lists, but then something rose up in me and said, "But you can win." And the moment I said that, it's like turning on a light that operates a hundred thousand square foot factory, like all the lights, just one switch, my body begin, and I begin to look at adversity as opportunity. And I begin to see things differently, so much so that I went from basically on the bench at junior college to starting the next year, junior college hall of fame, go off to a, a major university, IU Bloomington, from IU Bloomington, drafted the NFL seven years, and I took the same concept of winning and I applied it to entrepreneurship in corporate America. The same winning mindset, the same attitude, the same structure, and the same tenacity. So my saying is, in closing, that if life is a game, you play the game to win. Very, very nice. Now, so we, you, you, did you start your business where you were still playing in the NFL, or did you get out of the NFL and go, gee, what do I do next? Towards the end of my career, I uh, invested in a security firm. Mm-hmm. It was with my my then brother, who has since passed, and my brother-in-law. They had, they had a security firm. And we were all three operating it. And I was kind of like the silent partner, like behind the scenes. I mean, truthfully, I wasn't really there, right? I just put up the capital. <laughs> and then one day- but We like those people, Sean. <laughs> well, not, well, yeah, it's great. But one day he says, hey, I'm moving to North Carolina. Here's the company. Oh, by the way, you have three audits you have to defend. Goodbye. And I'm like, I'm sitting there with a company, with these audits, with count received. I have- and I'm like, what do I do? Well, guess what? I'm not a quitter. And I'm not here to say that you can never quit because sometimes you have to be able to lose the win and let that breathe, right? And so I sat there and I said, wow. And I struggled, but I, but I learned and I pulled from the locker room. I pulled from the NFL. I pulled from the winning mindset. And I applied it to corporate because I had no corporate training at all, you know, and I moved all the way through that. And it's 2021 and we're still in business. We have quadrupled in size and we're winning. Yeah, fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in my head laughing when you say you had three audits to um, follow, because as a, a CEO leader, wherever I've been, whenever my team gets a clean audit, I actually treat everybody to a Mexican lunch. I know that's so random. But it's become a tradition that we get a like a Mexican lunch party if we get a clean audit. And, and yeah. you know, it's just a small thing I can do because we all know as business owners and operators, you know, an, an audit is is so important. Um, and if, especially if you are either um, one, a nonprofit and your stuff's public, but two, if you're you're going to go get uh, more investors or three, if you're planning an exit strategy in the future, all of those things are so important. So um, yeah. I love that part of your story. So, but, but those are happy audits. I'm talking about the <laughs> audit from the federal government. <laughs> talking about have this ready, this ready on this day, because we are coming and we're bringing hell with us. We're bringing our badges. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. But you know what? We win because at the end of the day, you know, they don't want to put you out of business. They just want to make sure that you're compliant. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And I understood that. And so we just kept on moving. 
Yep. So I have to ask, um, Sean, because your business that you run mm-hmm. in uh, no different than being an NFL, right? It's all about people. Like, you, you know, we can always talk about skills and talent, but at the end of the day, it comes down to people and you are managing a lot of people within your organization. So can you tell us some of your, your thought process and, yeah. and strategies between, behind people management? So that was my biggest struggle. That was my biggest struggle, uh, leaving sports. Because in sports, we have a fixed target. We have a fixed win. Everyone is basically the same personality or temperament. You know, we're all like, raw, you know, <laughs> ego, one up. Yeah, it's like worshiped. It's, 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 like, it's like embraced, okay? That, that arrogance, that, that confidence, you know, some say cockiness, you know, that, that forward attitude, you know, the D on the disc, let's, let's go for it. And then I come to corporate America, and I meet different people. They're like aliens to me, right? And, so, you know, and they're saying things like, this is not how I feel. And, you know, I need a, you know, stress break. And I'm just so upset for years. I'm just like beating my head against the wall. Like, I don't understand these people. They don't, there's no drive. There's no ambition. They had to take a break because I had to realize that, you know, dude, you're from, you, you are at the la creme de la creme, I mean, you are a professional athlete. Your drive is a whole new level. I said, so now you have to take the motivation, inspirational skills, leadership, which is huge, and know how to get the best out of a person. And then also know how to appreciate what a person brings to the table. And so I had to, you know, I did a lot of temperament training, learning the four different temperaments, not personality, they call them personality, but very temperaments, Uh learning this is who, this is who you are. And like, and this is what you lead with. So when I go to a meeting, right, I'm, I'm sitting, it's just happened, just, just happened. Just, and we're having a big, huge strategic meeting and, and this and this. And, and then I go to this person and I know her temperament, right? And she's in charge of finances, and, you know, and I'm listening to her and I'm like, she's talking. I'm like, well, did you call? Cause they owe money. Did you call? Well, no. And I'm just like, oh, but then I remember that's her temperament. She doesn't like confrontation, but she's also leading. Like we have to help people. We have to help. That's her temperament. And so I've learned now to not see it as a weakness, but to see it as a strength and everyone. Some people's temperament are processes. Some people's temperament is fun and excitement. Some people's temperament like mine is let's go, let's win. Everyone brings something to the table and a leader has to realize how to pull the best out and and then shield them from their weaknesses. Yeah, Sean, I have this thing I always say is that sometimes the reason you love a person is the same reason you hate a person, right? And I think that's it because when you know people are using those skills that are their strength and you've hired them for and they can't cover 100% of the skill spectrum and so you start to get upset with them. So you either got to figure out how to nurture it and bring them along or you have to figure out to say, okay, that's that's where they kind of stop, and we have to get somebody else on the team to to pick it up and move it move it forward. That's a, it's a hard lesson, and I'm 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 laughing inside. I started business. Um, I actually have a teaching degree, so I taught school elementary school for a couple of years, which I always say teaching English to six year olds was a really great training ground for being a leader in business. Mm -hmm. But I started business in Detroit in a union environment, you know, male dominated Mm -hmm. union environment. And so I throughout my career have been accused of sometimes being intimidating to people. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't look intimidating. But 
I think it's like you said, you to anybody that is a, is inherently really driven, you know, we want to get things done. So I think those are great examples that you've, that you've shared. Um, you are a self-proclaimed winologist. And this is what I, yeah. I really love about you. And I know you're, um, aside from running your business, you're a motivational speaker. And for our listeners, we're going to have access to um, Sean's book for you, The Winning Edge, Eight Principles That Will Bring Out the Winner in You. Tell us a little bit about the motivation behind the book and what things you really like to impart on people when you speak. Yeah, going back to that story that I can never be successful, but I can win. And after saying that, and after making that paradigm, by the way, business leaders, so much wealth is created in paradigms. You have to make sure you're on the right side of the paradigm and how to win from the paradigm. But after I created that paradigm in my mind that I can win, and Mm -hmm. I begin to see things differently, I begin to notice that the tactics and the strategies that I was using was catapulting me past my contemporaries, people that I played with. Like, let me give you an example. Uh, One of the laws that I talk about is the law of capacity. You know, winners always are on the right side of spiritual laws. And so the law of capacity says that you can only grow to within the confines of your environment. And so uh, I pulled out a sheet of paper and I wrote 200 colleges by myself. I have an envelope and I put a stamp on every single one of them and I sent them all over the country. I was creating capacity, okay, past, you know, a scout here and a scout there. If you were in New Mexico, you knew about me. If you're in California, you knew about me. You knew about Sean Harper and Mason City, Iowa. I also created the law of scarcity. And what I said was, hey, I'm graduating within practically a semester early. So I took 22 hours in one semester plus summer school, okay? That now said, I can get it, I can get Sean in on my campus a semester early. Now I have just trumped 90% of all the junior college athletes coming out uh, that second year. They have, you know, they have an you know, extra time with me. So I I just, you know, basically winners look for tactics and strategies, but ultimately winners look looks for the edge. They look for the edge. Mm-hmm. And so how I was able to marry that with corporate America, I'll give you a crazy example of that, is when I started, you know, working in the security industry, the first thing I wanted to know was, what's my competition like? Well, not just what my competition is, what are they like? And they're like, well, what do you mean? So when I played football, we studied our opponent no less than 150 hours. Like we studied more of our opponent than we did ourselves. We we knew more about other people in our team or other teams than we knew about our own team. I mean, I mean, I I could take a player and I could tell you what he had for lunch. If I'm going up against you, I knew your girlfriend's name. I knew what you had for lunch. I know your tendencies. I know when you start clapping your hands, what does that mean? What play is he going to run next? The tendencies. Okay. Playing playing collegiate football, they have scouts that uh, grad assistants that live at the stadium and all they do is break down film and find your tendencies we all have tendencies so when i get to corporate america guess what what is the tendencies of my competition what contracts they go after what's their price point what's their strategy what's their manual what does it look like and how do i find my niche and blow it up 
And people are looking like, no, we don't do that. We just work hard in our industry and then, then we'll see what happens. Like, oh, you're going to lose. <laughs> like, I went after this contract and I didn't get it. But uh, in the bid, they said, we have free of charge a security robot. What? what? That's crazy. Of course, I destroyed that concept to the vendor. But then I walked away like, man, the writing's on the wall. You have a security robot. There's no overtime. There's no workers comp. There's nothing. And I mean, he, there's a camera remote view. It drives around just like one of those like floor sweepers. I'm like, man, I got 10 years. I got 10 years. I, either a, you buy a company or B you get ready to sell because security robots is coming. <laughs> I was like, wow, I got about 10 years. Yeah. I can, I can understand that. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing that I guess I, I would lead to is, is we like at Disruptive CEO Nation, obviously, to talk about disruption and innovation. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of disruption and innovation going on in the security business. Um, and there's so many different channels and types of, of security. Um, but that's interesting. Do those things, you know, keep you up at night? Do you set aside an extra fund to invest in technology for the changing business? Yeah. So basically right now I'm just in the information gathering stage and I know that prices are going to be coming down. Mm-hmm. And as prices come down, I will position American services if I don't spin off to say, Hey, you know what we can, you know, what is it going to cost to have that individual or have that robot? What's the cost? What's the maintenance? What's the shelf life of that? Okay. Uh, how, you know, how, how efficient, you know, repairs, you know, if you're dealing with electronics, like $10,000 repair job, you know, I could eat the cost of a, you know, two months of a contract, right? Stuff like that. But um, yeah, so I'm already looking at that now and making a determination, like they have drones now, right? They have drones. You, you put up a drone and it will watch the top, you know, it, it will watch your warehouse, you know, half to night flying around automatically flies right back to the uh, charger. <laughs> you know, so yeah. like, okay, 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 let's go. Let's bring it. Listen to this. In 1985, the Chicago Bears came out with this defense. It was called the 46 Bear. That was the first time anyone's ever seen the 46 Bear. That's why they won the Super Bowl that year because they created a paradigm in the NFL, Refrigerator Perry, he was in the middle, the Bear 46, the people, they kept players up at night, you know, Richard Denton, those guys. Mm -hmm. Within years, we made adjustments. We said, this is how you beat the Bear. Two plays would kill the Bear every single time and it knocked it out of existence. But wealth and so much is created when there's a disruption. Find it. Yeah, good advice. I. Sean, so now I want to switch and ask you because you are such a powerhouse of positive energy and motivation. Where do you go to feed yourself, either whether it's a podcast or books or people you follow? Um, how do you refuel? You know what? It's really weird, but I pray a lot and I'm up at night, you know, two, uh, three, four o'clock in the morning I'm by myself. And I'm just, um, I'm just centering myself. 
which is, I find that it's so important as a leader mm-hmm. to be able to make decisions from zero, which means that you're centered, balanced, not one way or the other, not in fear, not in you know arrogance, but you're making a decision and you're making a centered decision. So when no one's around, it's just me and maybe some coffee, some great meditation music, I'm centering myself and I'm just praying and I'm just like, okay, Lord, you know, bring it out of me, break me, break me uh, so that less of me comes out and more of you and more of the spirit comes out in my decisions and choices. That's, I think that's very wise wise advice. Um, absolutely. So Sean, these are quick interviews. So I want to ask you, you, you gave before the example of the triangle, right. Of where you've been, where you want to go and, and that vision, what is it, if we came back and talked to you in another, uh, two or three years, what is it for you personally, professionally, what does the future look like? It was sound something like, well, Mr. Harper, you know, things are going well and, and, and I see you have someone running the day-to-day operations of your company. And, and in fact, you don't even go there at all. But I also see that you're traveling all over the world and you're, and you're investing and, and I'm finding out that you're doing more things that no one knows about, like opening orphanages and starting and giving leadership to, you know, third world countries. And it's just absolutely amazing. That's, that's me. That sounds like that's fantastic. Okay, Sean, people want to know how to reach you. Where should they go? So my website is seanharper.org, S-H-A-W-N-H-A-R-P-E-R.org. You can go to um, Instagram, which is Sean Harper Speaker. Please go to Instagram, right? Sean Harper Speaker. And uh, we're gonna get some nice pictures of you there, right? Yeah, all come smiles, on. All. And videos and being content and winning by design on Facebook. That's it. Winning by design on Facebook. That is great. And to our listening audience, if you go to disruptiveceonation.com, you will see that we are going to have a link um, where you can get a copy of the book. It's a very quick read. Um, yes. It's filled with some really easy to understand stories and. Um, eight chapters. So I, I think it's it's worth taking a, a look at it and connecting into Sean's personal network. So Sean, thank you again for being a wonderful guest. To our listeners, if Sean said something that you think somebody else needs to hear or know, pass along a copy of this podcast. If he liked it, give us a review. Um, also, you can always send me referrals for disruptive and innovative CEOs that you think I need to speak with at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Sean, thank you so much. Thank you. Be blessed. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.